0: Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody. Oh my gosh. It's been a while. We our audio is not working and that's okay. We'll get the audio <laughs> working. That's why this is sort of improvisational. It's a lot improvisational. Well welcome to the newly reformatted show. I'm Kathy Cloat's guest. So our new name is the Keeping It Human Improvised Marketing Show. And I love that because most of what we do is have really improvised conversations with really interesting people who have great stories and information to share. So that's what we're doing this year. And I can't tell you how excited I am because we are going to be bringing people from the improv world, the comedy world, the publishing world, yes the social media world, but the the core theme that's going to run through everything we do again is is how do we make businesses more human through storytelling, through improv, through through personality and all these different things. So regardless of who the guest is, they're going to be offering their lessons of and their story and their journey of how they keep it human in their business. So I'm really excited, really excited to be doing that. So That is sort of a a nice revamp on uh, the show. So again, welcome for joining. Uh, Those of you that are new, I'm Kathy klotz guest. I am your host. I'm the founder of Keeping It Human, and I'm coming to you live from San Jose. I'm nestled in the heart of Silicon Valley on a beautiful, gorgeous day, and I hope it is beautiful wherever you are. Now, this show normally airs at 3.30 Pacific Time. And sometimes we record earlier to accommodate guest schedules. But typically, you're going to see it on Thursdays at 3.30. That's always been our time, so people know to look for us. And Keeping It Human helps business and marketing executives and their teams humanize what they do. And we do that by helping them tell their most important stories to the world. And my particular differentiation is blending business storytelling with my background in improvisation. So now, we are going to, again, this is always going to be a, a jargon-free uh, and jargon-monoxide-poisoning-free zone. That's not changing. Today, we don't have a guest. Today, I'm going to answer questions that have been emailed to me. So if you've got a question, uh, go ahead and email it to me, Kathy at com. and if there's time... Uh, we'll go ahead and answer it on air. And no question is ever wasted. I use your questions for blog posts. It helps me know when I do Periscope what I should talk about. So there are no wasted questions. So go ahead and if you've got a question on marketing and how you keep marketing human, let me know. Kathy, K-A-T-H-Y, at keepingithuman.com. All right, everybody. Just a few things to let you know about. Um, We've got blabs that we're doing. Um, We are doing three blabs a month, and I'm having different storytellers on those blabs, and you can join us on that. And they're going to talk about storytelling, how they keep things human. That's really the goal. And then we're back to uh, two to three times a month having our podcast. So however you join us, I'm so glad you do. We are in iTunes, and we are in Stitcher for your mobile needs. We will go wherever you go. So... Never fear, we got you covered. And then I've got a book coming out, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that. Um, uh, Closer to when it's going to be released, I will have information on the website, keepingithuman.com, and I'll be talking about the book um, on another podcast. So, I'm really excited. All right. Now let's get into today. Um, we're just gonna be answering questions today. And I wanted to start with the the topic that I use to promote the this episode, and that is how do you tell your story when your service product or technology is new to the world? And this actually came from a couple of questions. I get this question actually fairly consistently, and it's a really good question and um I'm going to talk about it. You can also see more information on my blog. And this is a very common thing. And when you've got a technology, what ends up happening for a lot of companies is they want to talk about the technology. The technology is new to the world. There's nothing like it, Kathy. Um, How do we talk about it? And here's what I tell everybody. You don't. You don't put the focus on the technology. You put the focus on how it helps people and makes their lives better. And let me explain. Maybe you've got um, a technology that helps restore uh, hearing for people who have um, tinnitus. Or maybe you've got a way to reduce arthritis uh, and help people live healthier, more active lives. Maybe you've got a technology that helps people be more mobile. Maybe you've got a technology that allows um, uh, the blind or the hearing impaired to live more um, fulfilled, richer lives by enjoying the same media we do because you make that media accessible. So however it is that your technology helps people um, live live in a way that makes them more human and achieve their human goals. That's what you need to be talking about. Too often we are um, hung up on uh, talking about our technology, and it is never about the technology. So if the technology doesn't work, it really doesn't matter what the technology is and how the technology works and the engineering behind the technology. And I say that because there's a lot of examples of companies that led with technology and, and they didn't go anywhere because they never made the business case for why the technology existed. And let me give you an example. Um, some of you will remember this, some of you won't. Uh, one of my favorite examples, well, when I got this question, the thing that immediately popped into my head was Palm. If you remember Palm computing, Palm had a very um, tumultuous existence. It was purchased. Um, the purchasing company didn't know what to do with it, U.S. Robotics. Uh, it got spun off, sold. Nobody really knew what to do with Palm. And when Palm first came out with its first handheld device in 1996, yes, 1996, pretty amazing, right? 20 years ago, there really wasn't a market for handheld. Apple had tried and failed with the Newton. And what ended up happening was, um, and I was a beta tester, had gotten a hold of a Newton, (laughs) and it was big and bulky and the handwriting recognition was very poor. So it was never going to be commercially available because it really wasn't ready for prime time. So Palm had a a, a couple uh, issues that it had to uh, surmount, a couple hurdles. One of the the, um, uh, issues was that um it, it had to establish what the heck handheld computing was. Nobody really knew the category didn't exist. But the company spent a lot of time trying to get people to understand handheld computing. That's difficult because it's new to the world. And when you're trying to get people to understand, th- understand something that has no frame of reference because it doesn't exist in the world, it's an uphill battle there's nothing to compare it to. And I think what would have been easier for Palm, and they eventually got there just very late, is to talk about how the technology was gonna make people's lives better. So mobile contacts, now we can share contacts mobilely. Now no matter where I go, I've got that CRM, I've got that database of contacts with me everywhere. And I can um, input, I can beam contacts to somebody and I can uh, share contacts easily. So now um, for anybody who needs to have that in business, that's a really, really great thing recipes, whatever. So it it helps people have information at their fingertips in a really, really mobile way. And that I think was a really important message that the company got very um, tongue-tied on and they tripped over themselves because they were so busy talking about the, the handheld and handheld computing. So how do you handle something new? Well, when you have a whole new category and there's nothing like it, you have to anchor in something that people already know. So if you had talked about it's like your, your, your desktop, only smaller, and you can take it wherever you go. That's a simple way for people to get their arms around. It's not really important that they understand handheld. It's that they understand that now they've got a way to take this mobile device with them everywhere they go, and they, they're, they're going to have kind of a richer experience because they can, they can take these contacts with them, import them wherever they are, and have them at their fingertips. That's a, a really powerful thing to say. So a couple things. Anchor, if you're trying to do a metaphor, anchor it in something that is known. Rather than trying to spend all this money and time getting people to understand this new technology, anchor it in something. Secondly, Don't spend a lot of time worrying about whether people understand the technology. That really is not important. What really is important is that people understand what the technology will allow them to do. What's the human benefit? Again, is it going to allow me to live a richer life, a fuller experience? Um, Is it going to enable me to do something I couldn't do before? Is it going to give me access? Again, if I... Um, you know, if I don't have access to certain media because maybe it doesn't exist um, for for people maybe that have um, you know uh, hearing impairments or, or, or visually impaired, then that itself um, making that that media available to me can can um, help me have a different you know human experience. These are things that people care about. They care about their lives being better. I'll say it again, and I, I've written this many, many times and on my blog, and I talk about it constantly because I can't talk about it enough. Keeping it human means people don't care about your technology. They care about why should I buy it. I need to know that it's going to make my life better easier, richer somehow. And it's not just about the economic benefit. What is the human benefit? How do I get there? That's the thing you need to talk about. Um, So just make sure it's a great question. Um, You know, just again, really keep it to something people know. And don't call yourself the Google of whatever or the whatever you know the the um, uh, <laughs> Tesla of what or of uh, whatever. Those are really difficult benchmarks to, to uphold. Anchor it in something that's a metaphor that people get their arms around. So don't use specific other brands because now you've benchmarked yourself against somebody else's brand, and they have now set the standard for your brand story. You'll never own your brand story because you define yourself by Tesla or. Google. So don't use brand specific analogies. But you can liken it to, you know, a new technology to, well, it's kind of like your car. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like that. Anchor in a, in a general metaphor, and that's really powerful. And again, you've got to be really clear about what the technology enables people to do. And I promise you, if you cannot do that, um, it, it's going to be an uphill battle for you trying to market your technology. So the more you can do that, the better off you are. So um, the other really good um, uh, thing that popped into my head when I got this question was I think Dropbox does a really great uh, job of this. A few years ago when Dropbox, you know, all the cloud-based storage services, there was a million of them, Box, um, you know, uh, Dropbox. All these different um, cloud-based um, storage services started popping up, and some of them became very undifferentiated. Um, you know, I think Box right out of the shoot focused on businesses, and I think Dropbox focused on consumers right out of the gate, although they have a business solution. But that's not really important. What's really interesting is that if you look at the way that a lot of these solutions marketed themselves, some really got into trouble because they spent so much time and and energy trying to get people to understand what the hell cloud-based storage um, was. Um, That does not matter. I will probably never understand the cloud because I know that, you know, I don't, people, engineers can't tell me exactly where in the cloud my data is stored. Nobody knows, (laughs) which scares me, but I won't go there. The point is, is that what's more important? Is it important that your your, your user understand how cloud storage works or B, what it allows them to do? And so Dropbox did some really interesting marketing and some really interesting videos where they 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 talked about, you know, this is Bob. Bob likes to travel. Bob takes a lot of pictures and a lot of video. Video takes up a lot of bandwidth and a lot of memory. And how is he going to distribute this to all his friends and all his family who live all across the world? Well, you know, Dropbox. I'm going to be able to deliver this, put it up on the Dropbox, and give everybody access to rich media that takes up a lot of storage. Boom, bada bing. It's very clear. It's crisp. We know that... Um, This is about being able to share my personal story through video and all this rich media that takes up a lot of storage and do this effectively regardless of where my friends and family live in a very easy, convenient solution. That's the story. It's not how the cloud works. So I thought Dropbox did a really great job when they first um, came out. Um, So again, not about the cloud-based storage. I think the other example here, and it's not about technology, but, but um, again, it's a really great reminder of why your product should not be at the center of a lot of the storytelling. It's got to be richer than that. I'm really impressed with what Marriott is doing right now. Marriott, Marriott is, they, they, they have a whole new studio. They, they are The CMO of Marriott is approaching content creation and storytelling in this really powerful way. So, what they are doing is they created a content studio and they partner with a lot of storytellers and production companies in l a and in the area and What they do is they understand that people don't go to Marriott because oh, I love Marriott, you might love Marriott, but that's really not the issue. You're there on an adventure, you're there to travel, you're there to see you know to do business or to be on vacation and have pleasure, all that other stuff. You're there because you want to have a rich adventure and experience. So the hotel really sits in the background. The hotel is not front and center of your world. So they hired studios to create these really interesting stories, you know, love love lost and found at the hotel, um, people meeting and networking at the hotel. So the hotel becomes the backdrop. It becomes the location. And it becomes almost, in effect, a, a third character, um, <clears throat> the setting as a character, which is, you know, a very interesting technique. So it's almost a, a, a character in itself, but it's a backdrop. It's not the focus. Nobody cares about the hotel. We don't go there because we're going to spend time in, tons of time in the hotel. We just want a rich travel experience, and that's really the focus. So they do a really good job, I think, of, of rethinking what storytelling and hotel as a as a just a backdrop to somebody else 's story and somebody else 's life of networking of love lost and found at the hotel of of luggage of people meeting of people going to to a wedding and, and you know all these different things totally make sense, and they do a really really amazing job so again, what does your product or service or technology enable in the world, and how does that make people 's lives richer and better? Focus on that always 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 all right. Great great question. Um another question that I got that I'm going to answer here is how do you convince management to care about stories and and to to invest more in storytelling. Boy, that's a question that I get a lot and it is a it, it is a good question. Um so I have a lot to say on that. <laughs> some of it, I some some of it I cannot say on this uh, PG podcast. But you can go to my uh, website. You can go to KeepingItHuman dot com, and, and I've got a lot of storytelling uh, blog posts. But here's here's the short answer first. Um, they should listen to you if you're working in content and marketing. Obviously, they should listen to you. But sometimes we know that that doesn't happen. So I have found that the shortest way to convince a boss is when it comes from the voice of the customer. It's very hard to argue with the voice of the customer. Um, get yourself out of the middle and enable your customer to weigh in. There's a couple ways you can do that. One way you can do this is you can actually um split test. I've done this with clients. Take a couple of stories. Put them up online, connect a download to it, maybe a white paper. I don't even like white papers anymore. I shouldn't say white paper because um, I think they're not great. But Maybe an ebook, or maybe an infographic or something that is a quick little of high value download for your audience and have a story connected to it and then do a split test to see which drove more downloads, which was shared more. You'll get a sense of, of which story is working. Um, The other thing you can do, because it's hard to argue with data, the other thing you can do is have your clients, your best clients, weigh in on some of your your copy or some of your campaigns. Get some feedback and get the data and um, present the different options to management and say, look, the story-based content uh, got this number of, uh, you know, uh, thumbs up and this type of, of sentiment and, and these comments. This, the non-story-based content, maybe, if that's the situation, got this. Always let the voice of the customer speak for themselves. Um, when you present data, it's very hard to argue with that. So that's another way to do that, to build your case. And I, I really know from experience in, in having done this with clients and just in my own work, when you have data to show it it it, it becomes, the case becomes just very uh it, it's incontrovertible it becomes hard to refute and it it makes a uh, um, a better way for you to to get out of the middle of it um and and use the data to help buttress your case the other thing is Don't be afraid to write the story as you see fit and then go test it on your own. Go test it on your own. Um, Any way that you can get that information and show uh, the results, I think, will help make your case. And that's really, really important. I find it shocking that um, companies today will spend tons of money on pay-per-click, on SEO, and all the different things that are marketing tactics, really, really important tactics, but they neglect the most important part of that equation, which is the content itself. And, um, you know, garbage in, garbage out. So you can spend all this money on, on and I've seen companies do this on, on SEM and SEO and PPC, pay-per-click, and i got to get out of this acronym loop here or I'll have to hit myself. <laughs> and they spend all this money, um, but the results aren't that great. And, and part of it is because the content that they're sharing just maybe isn't compelling or it's not what they're their customer or their prospect is looking for, so it's it's really important if you're gonna go and spend all this money on the on 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 getting that content in 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 the face of the right audience, make sure it is the right content and that's that's a really important thing so content is not something to be to be taken lightly it's it's really important so great question um that's kind of the maybe the short and and long answer all right. Um, and then do check the blog because I've got other posts on that as well, Um, let's see another question here how do you use humor meaningfully okay, that is a great question Um, so I Again, I, I've written about this over the years. I've written a lot about humor and marketing um because I am an improviser. I perform every week. <laughs> um I also do stand-up comedy and I came out of that world as well as high-tech marketing. And so for the last, uh, you know, 18-19 years, I've done um comedy pretty much every week. Um and I did a one-woman show in San Francisco last year, uh an hour and a half show. Um so what what have I learned? All right. Humor connects people, and that's really important. So how do you use humor meaningfully if you're a company? Well, here's the thing I would say. There's 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 two ways to come at it. Don't first don't underestimate the power of levity and a lighthearted touch. Even if it's just a funny image, if it's just a, you know, silly quick video, uh, that can do a lot to humanize your brand. So never underestimate that Power to leave a really, really amazing emotional footprint on your on your customer or prospect. So, so that's really important. Now, if you want to have a more substantial conversation and use humor to open a door, there are so many great videos or so many great examples, and I'll talk about that. Um, one of my favorites is Schofield Edit. Another is Adobe Launch. And let me tell you what they have in common: humor. When you po- poke fun not at your customer but at but but you use humor to to show your customer that you empathize shouldn't say poke fun but but empathize with their pain that you get their pain point then you are connected to your customer, and your customer says, oh, they get me. They get me. So Schofield Edit, I've written about this over the years. I love this video. It's a few years old now, but they are a production house. They do video production. And they created this really funny video that I just really loved. And it went viral in like you know a week, um, and it was all about these little vignettes that small businesses have to experience where where people come in and they want to negotiate you on price and they want to talk you down and There's this really funny scenario where a woman comes in and gets the ha- haircut, and she goes, "You know, so I want to try this haircut, um, and after you give me the haircut, I'm going to just try it for a weekend and see if I like I like it and so the woman says, "So you don't want me to give you the haircut?" and she goes, "No, no, no I do, I just don't want to pay for it." until I you know, get the haircut first, and then I test drive it for a while, and then decide if I like it. Um, and it's all these very funny conversations that I'm sure every small business can identify with because they happen all the time. And it makes you laugh, and it, it's rip-roaringly funny. And they have you, and they get the pain of what it means to be a small business who has to compete on price. They get it. You have to have these crazy conversations sometimes with customers who don't value you. And then, then, so it's not even that they're shoving their, their editing services at you. And here's the beauty of it. That video had very little to do with what they sell. They sell editing services. But what they say is, look, we get you, small business. We get your pain. We get it. Oh, by the way, we happen to do videos. If you're interested in creating a video to differentiate yourself and get out of that loop, we can help which is very powerful. Now you've connected meaningfully because you've shown me that you get what it's like to be a small business and have these ridiculous conversations. That's empathy. So humor that leads with empathy connects. Really powerful. Adobe Launch did one that I thought was very funny. And they've they they uh, they're, they've got their cloud-based storage thing. Um, and they <laughs> did a very, very funny video where this guy's counting down. It's almost a NASA-like kind of environment. And obviously, they're they're doing this rocket and they got everybody in mission control and uh, all of a sudden the objective changes and the guy gets pinged up. Uh, nope, stop. Stop the launch. And then, all oh, right, no, it's back on. Nope, stop the launch. No, it's back on. And it's just, Comical how in a company changing priorities and how communication can change and at a moment's notice. Uh, something else is happening with social media, and you're getting these different messages, and it's just like you know, it it can be very frenetic and fast moving, and companies have to respond so quickly to things, and so it's very comical. And what it says is, look, I get you. I know your priorities change. I know social media can be a lot to take in. It's a lot to um, have to respond to in real time. And you're always having to, to be – real-time listening is hard. Real-time listening is hard and frenetic and fast-paced and crazy. <laughs> and it feels like sometimes you're, you know, it's like a squirrel. You, you're chasing a nut. Um, and then once you laugh at the truth of that, because you're, they've got you, and, and then you're like, okay, now let's talk to you about our services. So make me laugh at the pain, at the pain that I'm experiencing. Now tell me about your services and, and maybe how your services might actually make my life better. How's it going to relieve that pain? So lead with the pain, a funny kind of thing that people go, oh, my God, that's true. That's true. And they see that the truth in that. And then you can segue from there to, all right, I've I've made you laugh at the truth of the pain, and I've empathized with you. Now let's talk about a possible solution, you know. And so n- nothing heavy handed, but that once you make somebody laugh at that at that pain and that empathy and that truth, you've got that connection, and that's a really powerful way to do it. Those are some of the best ways I've seen humor used is is empathy, um, and and that's that's something that I encourage all companies to do. Really know those pain points. That what problems do you solve in the world? And if you can't. Articulate it then you you 've got some work to do as a marketing department. You better be able to articulate some really strong pain points in the world so that 's it we're We're nearing just a few minutes um we will be having, as I say, more more book authors and all that stuff on our revised podcast, same stuff that we did in the last couple of years. But again, I want to bring you authors from comedy and improv and all these different worlds, uh, not just from social media and marketing and B2B, because I really believe that these other voices and these different worlds that I live in and span have a lot to say that can be of value, not just storytelling voices, but storytelling and improv and all these different things. So that's the goal for this year. I want to keep it human. I want to offer you stories that'll inspire, make you laugh, make maybe make you snort out loud. Hey, I don't judge. <laughs> um, and that's a good thing. If you snorted out loud you had a good laugh. So I'm I'm proud of that. So that's what we'll be doing more of this year. If you've got questions, I really, really appreciate your questions. You can always email me, Kathy, K-A-T-H-Y, at keepingithuman.com. I love hearing from you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, as always, you can uh, see things on the blog. and go to Blog Talk Radio. Let me know what you want to see more of. I uh, I like to get those ideas, and I'll use them. If I don't use them for the podcast, we'll use them for blog posts and all those other things. So thank you so much. All right, everybody, I'm Kathy Clote's guest. I'm keeping it human, and you keep it human out there, too. All right, everybody, until next time, take care.